0: We're to talk about a convention. There's a convention. Our house, our town, Duke football. One intention. One intention. That's to kick their yes. up, guys. Kick their He hasn't done let's go.
1: Well, it took 13 weeks, a canceled game, a couple reschedulings, and we're here. The Duke football season has finally finished mercifully. Two and nine. Nothing any of us expected, but as with anything, we're here to close shop for the season, go over some news that's been breaking for the last 24 hours, and well, have some fun with our predictions that we had at the beginning of the year before all things well went downhill. Thank you as always for joining us. I'm your host, Brian Kennedy, alongside Josh Cox, Scott Medlin. And Jamie Holton, fellas, we finally reached the finish line for the 2020 year. And I think we can all say, thankfully, it's over.
0: Yes. The pain that was the 2020 football season uh, in Durham, uh, for sure, it is over. And um, it was culminated by a, a big L that we took in Tallahassee uh, over the weekend as we went down to play Florida State. By the way, a Florida State team that had struggled mightily throughout the year that only really had uh, one game to look at was a defeat of UNC. Um, And we went down there. Not only had they been playing bad, they hadn't played in a month. And in that month, they lost player after player to opting out. So they showed up depleted, not playing well, and they nearly hung 60 points on us and blew us out of the water. And so we're not really going to spend much time Tonight, talking about the Florida State game, because we think we could simply just say, go back and listen to the last three or four weeks of our podcast and the games that we covered then. And it's pretty much the Florida State game. Everything's terrible. We might show a tad bit of life and then everything goes terrible again. That's what it was. And so, kind of what we want to do uh, tonight is kind of find out, guys, what are we thinking about the season? I mean, maybe if you could put the season in a word or two. Um, this is obviously not where we wanted to be, uh, but if you could kind of sum up the season and then talk a little bit about your thoughts, um, I know our listeners, um, would love to hear it. Scott, man, what do you think?
2: One word, depressing, depressing. Um, you know, obviously we thought we were going to have a great year. Well, a decent year. I won't say great. And man, it just, it, you know, t- it, this season was 2020 in a nutshell. Just how the whole year has gone for everybody. Um, the only there was a, uh, there was a few things in the Florida State game to me that were bright bright spots. Um, you know, Luca getting in and actually playing pretty decent. Uh, that was that was good to see. Glad to see that we had to give him the keys to the car, like we said, like I've said for weeks. We were one play away, and you know, like I said. For a kid that's never played college football in his life, I thought he did very well. You know, I mean, we were getting ourselves killed anyway. And, you know, the and this sounds crazy, the brightest spot to me was the goal line opportunity where Daniel Carlin, playing in his last game as a Blue Devil, came in and got the quarterback sneak to get the touchdown. Now, other than those couple bright spots, it's just been a long year. It's, you know, if – if Duke wanted to have fun and they won't do this, but if they wanted to have fun in the Yo Center next year, they should sell Apple turnovers to start for the for the fans, just for us. If you want to have some fun, Duke, sell Apple turnovers in the stadium. Because I can promise you that's what we did all year. We were giving out everything. And it's just That actually should have been my word. I'm sorry. Turnovers should have been the word of the day. But depressing actually was my word. And I'm honestly glad it's over. So glad it's over. We have to watch real teams play real football for real championships now and sit back and think, man, it would so be great to have our team in there since it's been since 2013 we were in a championship game and still got plastered that night. So depressing is my word.
3: Yeah, and I got one thing to say about Florida State before I move on to what my words for the season are is, man, that Bobby Bowden guy, he's a great coach, isn't he? Wait, wait, you mean he's not coaching anymore? You mean he retired? Uh, because we made them look like 1993 Florida State out there. I thought Charlie Ward was out there running around. Like, it's, it was absolutely ridiculous. But I'm done with that. I'm <laughs> moving on. My I've got two words for you for the season. I'm not D generation X. My two words are dumpster fire. And I couldn't decide, you know, I'm looking at these gifs and everything. I couldn't decide. Is it, is it the dumpster fire that's just sitting there kind of in the alleyway, just burning or are we the floating dumpster fire that's floating down the floating down the way during a flood? And I think we're the floating dumpster fire because that seems to be worse. Um, But yeah, this whole season, just a complete dumpster fire. The turnovers, Chase just never really clicking with the offense. Um, our, re- our top receiver had like less than 400 yards. That's that's not good. That's never good. Um, one of the bright spots there's a couple of bright spots for me. Uh, Mateo Durant, obviously, he's going to be a stud next year, and I can't wait to see him get. The absolute bulk of the carries next year. There's no reason he shouldn't just be the guy. I mean, he he's got he's got to be our guy next year, and we're gonna have to lean on him heavily. Obviously, um, the kicking game was another bright spot. Um, Charlie Charlie Ham and Porter Wilson did a great job this year. Um, I think we're set up good there for several years. Uh, other than that, I can't really think of many bright spots. Um, coaching, that's a F, you know, for the season, I contributed to the dumpster fire. Um, it's just like Scott said is 2020 in a nutshell this season. Uh, one more bright spot was the fact that we actually didn't have any COVID cases during the season. It wasn't us. It was other teams that caused the caused us to have to move games around. And that's really, that's all I got to say.
0: Well, um, I would say that my word, it's kind of a combination, a couple words, but I'm going to compare this season. I'm just going to say New York Jets. If you think New York Jets football, you can just insert the college version of the New York Jets. Um, Adam Gase, David Cutcliffe. I mean, uh. Bad quarterback play, bad quarterback play. Uh, Coach speak to the media every week, coach speak to the media every week. Not sure who's really calling the plays. We're not sure who's really calling the plays. There's actually a lot of similarities. Uh, This season, as you will hear later in this podcast when Scott breaks down what we thought was going to happen stat-wise and what actually happened stat-wise, this season was as disappointing of a season that we have had since David Cutcliffe moved to Durham. Um, And there's no other way to sugarcoat it. Now, were there some good things that happened this year? To tack on to what Jamie said, absolutely there was. And I'd like to say, just to add to that, he mentioned Mateo, he mentioned the kicking game uh, and, and things like that. I would also add, there's a couple of guys, uh, Victor DiMichage, um, who, to uh, did not miss a game. I believe I'm sorry, he's missed one game. Victor DeMakayg missed one career game, uh, and that's pretty incredible to have a guy on your D line who plays every snap pretty much uh, to not miss but one game in his career. I love the the steadiness that a guy like uh, DeMakayg brings. In that same vein. Deion Jackson uh, got limited playing time as a f- true freshman, um, but from his sophomore, junior, and senior season as a running back did not miss a game, and that's pretty incredible. Um, there are certainly things we wish we could have done better and some stats that we wish we could have padded more, but those two guys just in there, and then I think of another guy who I haven't looked at his games play, but he kind of is in that same role, and that's Michael Carter the second in the secondary um, a, lot of, a lot of our secondary has taken some hits and uh, been in and out of games. But Michael Carter II, along, <clears throat> along with Marquise Waters, really they have been the staples of uh, the Duke secondary. And so I do think there are some positives this year to that. Unfortunately, as we're going to talk through in a little while, it's not like they're going to be around uh, an, an additional season uh, to help with anything. Um, so anyway, uh, so my, my word for this year was New York Jets. Brian
1: well I'll uh, I'll finish this up and I think Scott's got one final word to say as well but the two words and I was battling on what word to to really recap my thoughts of this season but I came up with two and they are disappointed I think that coming from everyone in the Duke football fan base and hard-headedness I think uh I think we all know where I'm going with that but You know, I I like to give did you knows. We're not going to have really a did you know this week because there's no game coming up. But I started doing some research after the final game with Florida State just to see where this team was compared to teams in the past. Um, And I was disappointed with what I found. And by that, I mean, let's start with the obvious. Two and nine. Worst record since Ted Roos last season in 07. The two wins is the lowest win total for Cutcliffe in his career as a head coach. Something to think about there. Uh, This is the first time since 2010 and 2011 where we have not made a bowl game in consecutive years. That's got to stop. I I don't want to get back to those years of of multiple gaps or multiple years gaps where we don't go to a bowl game. Um, Total points scored for this offense – 273 for the entire season that is the worst total since 2011 where we we scored 270 points on offense defense gave up an on average 444 yards a game that is the worst since 2012 where we gave up 469 yards a game we gave up 2300 rushing yards that was the worst since 2018 We gave up 2,500 passing yards. That was the worst since 2016. And we gave up 419 total points to opposing teams this year. That is the worst since 2012 where we gave up 468. My favorite, and fellas, uh, I think a lot of Duke fans had fun with this on Facebook and Twitter. 39 total turnovers for the year. That is the worst since the always popular Idaho Vandals. In 2012, we did not break a record, but we got darn close to it. And for the hard-headedness, I, I think we can all agree, David Cutcliffe, when he has something in his mind, and he's, he's going to stick to it till the very end. He is going to die on that mountain. Uh, I, I think the biggest uh, example was Chase Bryce. We, we truly believe that he promised him the world coming from Clemson, told him that he would be the starter barring injury regardless of performance, and he was really, I think, trying hard near the latter part of the season to, to showcase Chase to try to get him over that hump, or the mountain was the hump. But I, I, I wondered this as well. I'm wondering if Chase told him before the Florida State game that he was leaving, and that's why Luka came in. Because, again, in games past when Gunner was the backup, now, a lot of people are saying that this is Gunner's team. Gunner would make one mistake, Chase immediately back in. Chase was out for however many series. I, honestly, I stopped watching the Florida State game because it was deja vu. But all I heard was that Luka played a lot in the second half, or part of the first half too. But if Cutcliffe doesn't change his ways, if he's not more open-minded as we head into this 2021 season, it is going to be lather, rinse, repeat for 2021. He's going to have to change things up, like we discussed with, you know, the other famous coach in Durham. He had to change some things up with his defense as well. So, very disappointing.
0: And, Brian, Brian, since you didn't watch the game, I know people that are listening would say this, but you still may be correct. Uh, uh, Chase did get hit and his shoulder was hurt, but I'm not sure that – it was hurt, like stay out the rest of the game, hurt possibly, don't know that. But that, that is why Luca wound up coming in and saying because I, he hurt himself and there was no other quarterback on the, <laughs> on the well, true.
1: Well, true, but he also hurt his season uh, or hurt his shoulder earlier in the season as well. Gunner came in that one play and then what do you know, Chase is back on the field after he missed the snap. Uh, yeah, so he, listen, and we'll talk about this later, 2021 cuts back. I mean, that was just all but confirmed hours ago. So, as Duke fans, let's just take this one on the chin, like we've done for many years in the past, and let's look forward to the 2021 season. But, oh, what could have been for this year in 2020?
2: gonna. I was going to point out two things uh, real fast that I forgot to mention the first time. Uh, first, I want to go on the record. During the game Saturday night, Big Vic made a tackle behind the line of scrimmage on the quarterback. Now, I went on Twitter and went crazy because I thought it was a sack. Come to find out, they didn't count it as a sack. So, I apologize to Vic for saying it and getting excited about it. I know it sounds crazy, but I really thought it was a sack. If you tackle the quarterback behind the line of scrimmage, I mean, hmm, just saying. And if you have a good scorekeeper who knows the situation, you think he may count it as a sack on purpose to give the man the record. So, you know, my goof, the scorekeeper's goof. And then one other thing, and I was going to, you know, it's funny, I was going to put this on Twitter the other day after the game, but, um, you know, we, obviously this is the off season coming. And I was going to say, and I've, actually we're going to point this out in a few minutes. The biggest opponent that Duke is going to have in the off season is the transfer portal. Oh my goodness we aren't even 24 hours after I thought that and that thing started lighting up like the Christmas tree. So just, you know, um, who knows what's going to happen with that. And we're going to talk about that in a few minutes here. And I didn't want to jump the gun on that, but you know, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing what happens when the season's over and how kids are. And, you know, we obviously we'll go into all that in a few minutes, but yeah, it's just, You know, we don't want injuries is what we didn't want during the season. Now, at the end of the year, we really don't want the mass exodus. And unfortunately, that is upon us.
1: Well, I I think we can all agree that this season was not what any of us expected whatsoever. And that will segue us into some fun we're about to have. And that's the predictions that we made preseason. We were all riding the chase train. We all thought this was going to be the turnaround year that, we were all expecting and you know what just didn't come to be. So we're going to laugh a little bit and uh, we, we hope you enjoy because we, we, as we were talking about this before we got on to record, there's going to be some stats thrown out there that didn't even come close to what actually happened. So uh, Scott actually has everything. So we'll start, um, you know, Scott, I'll throw it to you here in a second, but one, one last thing uh, to the fellas at Knowles Anonymous, fellas, your team looked like it's back on track, so just want to tell y'all congratulations from the four of us. Again, we appreciate the interview, and anytime y'all want to have us on, we're, we're here. But, Scott, let's get rolling to these preseason predictions that uh, crashed and burned probably three games into the year.
2: And to those guys at know's Anonymous real fast, congratulations on getting McKenzie Milton. Hopefully, a transfer portal works out in your favor this time. So let's see the predictions that were sure never to go wrong that we had all mapped out. We saw the future 13 weeks later, and we knew exactly how it was going to go. So we're going to start off with the records. So this season, um, Brian picked us to go six and five. Not bad.
1: Doable. Not close. Hey, hey that, that I was really being cautiously optimistic.
2: <laughs> yeah. Then Josh, same thing, six and five. Jamie now, uh, and, and let's go, let's go back real fast before we go any further. Uh, y'all all went after I did, but Jamie picked seven and four after listening to somebody else make a prediction. And he's like, you know what? Let's listen to the old guy in the room. So Jamie picked seven and four. And then, well, some of us were on a, had to be on NyQuil that night because one of us picked eight and three and Lord have mercy. How wrong that poor man was. They may want to check his check his ID at the door and see if he's all right because I think he's done lost his damn mind.
3: Yeah, I have to say, uh, Scott talked me into that prediction because I was I was actually going to go six and five just like Brian and Josh and Scott just was so high on the team. I'm like, man, you know what? I'm going to bump my win total up because I need to I need to win this prediction race. Hey, too. I, want, I need to win between the four of us. So
1: I, I think Scott out. was high on something else that night too. Just just throwing that out there.
0: It, by, by the way, Jamie, that's what you get when you old guys stick together. You're the two old guys of the podcast, you know.
1: This is true.
2: Yeah. Listen. Well, you're supposed to listen to your elders. Sure. So, yeah. So, You've so we were. A years. So,
0: so we were between eight and three, and six and five, and uh, needless to say, we were nowhere close. So. Yeah, we were nowhere close. But, 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 have no fear. Have have no fear, listeners. It's about to get worse because we're about to go into the individual stats. And you're about to hear us – you're about to hear some homer some Homer predictions from us from the
2: beginning of the year. And if you're taking note at home, um, you'll kind of be able to tell where the stats go as we go further on who picked what as far as the team numbers. So, for TD passes, on the season, Duke was led in TD passes by Gunnar Holmberg – I'm kidding. Chase Price. <laughs> I'm kidding. Sorry. Couldn't resist it. Um, with 10 – So, in the prediction train, Brian had 25. Whoa. Josh had 20, who, by the way, was the closest.
0: That's right. Give it up.
2: Jamie had Chase with 22. Blame the Nyquil. And then somebody had him throwing 28. (laughs) I, I, I really wish, had we known beforehand to go into this, we could have actually done predictions on INTs.
0: Yes. Now, that would have
2: been a whole lot of fun, and I don't know how accurate it would have been on that. Yep. So, yeah, Josh was the closest at 10 off, which is pretty sad.
1: So, so, right now, Josh leads me and him tied for the record, so he's up two. I've got one, and you old fogies are just sitting in the back yep. of the
2: news. And, and for the record, those of you that are listening, Brian is going to make sure this is a competition, Absolutely. and he's going to make sure that he can win at every chance possible. So and that's okay. I don't have a problem with it. But I just want to point that out to folks. If you've listened all season, Brian's always the one that wants to make sure when he's right that it's on the
3: big neon sign on the front of the building. And I in my defense. Dinner. In my defense, Coach Cutcliffe lied to me. I mean, he told me we were gonna be good and this was like this is one of the best teams he's ever had. And I I just I just I believed the hype you
0: know jamie the biggest question is did you believe him the second to the last game of the season when he came out of halftime and said that we were about to see the best half of football in history
3: actually actually i did believe him because i knew that georgia tech was going to play really well in the second half so
0: yeah he didn't specify which team right so
3: all right (laughs) that is a valid
2: point also
0: so now rushing
2: yards Rushing yards for the season was led. We were led by Mateo Durant with eight hundred and seventeen, and nobody had Mateo Durant.
0: So, so, do we, so wait. Before you give it, will will we get credit for the number of yardage? Will we give the winner the number of yardage? What do you half think? A half a point. Half a point. All right. Half I a say, point.
2: I say half a points fair. Okay. So I'm not going to go in the order we went in, in a minute ago. I'm going to change this round just a tiny bit. So, the person that picked the most yards for uh, the running backs was uh, the guy on NyQuil to start the season that picked eight and three. He had 1,050 yards for the running back.
0: And by the way, by the way, a running back has never run forever a thousand yards in the David Cutcliffe era. Sorry,
2: go ahead, Scott. I'm telling you, <laughs> if we were eight and three, he'd have rushed for a thousand yards. It would have probably been Mateo, and we only needed what three more, two more games. I, yeah, I, I we can't play two gosh, more games. Uh, I'm telling you, Mateo had thousand yards.
1: Scott, I can't wait for your prediction next season when we get ready for the 2021 year Mateo, oh, Lord, two thousand so yards, Mateo, <laughs> all
2: day. I'll be lucky looking anyway. I'm not going right. to get that far down that rabbit hole right now. So then, next in line uh josh had 777.5 for D- uh, dj brian had 850 for dj and jamie had 862 for dj
0: so i got another half point josh with another half point guys i'm, I'm running away so far what did he have 775 he has- oh 100. wait wait mateo, who's closest
2: mateo had 817 so but James- wait they went
0: over is the price right
2: I thought we were just saying
1: closest <laughs> to the number. Man, I got to get the prices right losing horn now.
0: I got to give it to Jamie. I got to give it to Jamie. That's good. That's good. Give it to Jamie. Hey, I listen. Say, I, was, I feel oh, sorry Whoa,
1: oh, 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 time out, time out. He overbid on me. So, I think I got it.
0: I think
3: Kennedy. Yeah, I think Brian got it. I think Brian's the one that's closest. Oh, it is Brian. You're right. I'm Dang sorry. It.
0: All right, Brian got a half point.
3: Sorry. That's that's true. My defense, once again, the Nyquil calls me to say Deion Jackson. I meant to say Mateo <laughs> Durant in the preseason. Does that count as a half a pointer?
0: Hey, listen. All I will say in all seriousness on this one, we were we were close. Like this is about what Duke, a Duke running back is going to do because we know they're going to share time. And honestly, next next year, Jordan Waters is going to get a fair amount of carries. Uh, like you know, I think we know that. Like Cut doesn't really ride that one guy. So anyway, I could actually- all right.
3: And, and I could the, actually see Mateo going over a thousand next year. Mm-hmm. Like if he gets the bulk of the carries or getting really close, like nine hundred plus.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, looking at Jordan Waters for this season, he rushed sixteen times for one hundred even. So, okay. but he did have uh, he had that one long run.
0: He had that one long run too that kind of uh, yeah. inflated his his yardage a little bit too.
2: All right. So next on the list was rushing touchdowns. This is going to be interesting again. Um, my favorite one's going to go last. So, looking at what we had, Mateo ended up with eight touchdowns. So, on the list, Brian had 15.
1: Ooh, oh, no. Oh my. For,
2: for DJ. I had 12. Amazingly enough, I did not go over. So, I get to be in the showcase show for at least one category. Josh had <laughs> Chase Bryce with ten, <laughs> and he was close. However, Jamie picked DJ with eight. Mm, Jamie be. gets
3: half a point.
1: Very nice. That so worked out just, nicely.
3: Hey, I just like to thank all the all the little people that I stepped on to get here.
1: <laughs> but, but guys, it's it's like Josh said. We're we're, we're getting close to the numbers. It's just the actual players that we're picking just a little off. So I mean
0: But in now in in Dio's in in Dion's defense, his sophomore and junior seasons, he was approaching ten touchdowns. So I think I think the stuff made sense at the time. My logic was Dion something was gonna happen with Dion and we were gonna be that team that got within the five yard line and Chase was gonna be like Thomas Cirk and like just bullying people in the end zone. Obviously that was not the case. But anyway. Doesn't matter now.
2: Sure. All so right. on the board now. So now we go to receptions. Oh, Lord. <laughs> let's see. Oh, so boy. for receptions on the season, Jalen Calhoun read, led the team with 39.
0: Dear God in heaven. That's my and God. let's
2: just say this. We went way, <laughs> way over. So
0: what the heck was that, Scott?
2: <laughs> we, were, we were way over there. We okay. go. Sorry. A little sound effect. Sorry. Well, I, I went a little over with the over. So there you go. Okay. Oh, this is the one time you let me host something. There you go. I'm going to do stupid things. So like pick eight and three. So Jamie picked Jalen Calhoun. So I don't know how we're going to do this, but 61 receptions.
0: I think I it's, it's got to go player first.
3: Yeah. yeah. Okay. I should get a point for that.
1: Yeah. You, you got a half a point.
3: Yeah. I think I, half a
0: point half fair. a point. Oh, well, for the hey,
1: hang on a second. Hang on a second. If no one else gets closest to the receptions, then he gets the full point. Yeah. He
0: has to. Yeah. I, well, he gets the Christy closest to, to the to reception. Yeah. So he gets Jamie, the point. Jamie, Jamie gets oh, okay. the full
2: point there. Right. Josh at? also picked Jalen, but at 78 receptions.
0: Dear Ooh. Lord.
2: Brian. Oh, boy. Oh, yes. This is fun. Brian picked Noah Gray at 75
1: receptions. (laughs) Well, when you utilize the tight end like you're supposed to, that's what happens. Yeah,
2: Um, I'm with you there. And then I picked Noah Gray, but I had 65 receptions. So I feel a little bit better about that. Unfortunately, Noah only had 29 receptions on the season.
0: That's that's, good.
3: Our our whole season was sad as far as the passing game. I mean, just like – I mean, because Jalen Calhoun was a – a good pick, obviously, at the time. I mean, he ended up leading us in receptions, but I, I thought he would be significantly over 39 because didn't he have like – I can't remember exactly what he had last year, but he seemed like he had
0: 40, 48. Yeah, I think he had yeah. a little bit more than that last year as a yeah. freshman. Well, uh, but, but last year he had the juggernaut of a quarterback, Quentin Harris, so comparatively speaking.
1: Just playing devil's advocate, if we hadn't thrown that many uh, interceptions this year – and we probably would have gotten close to that reception total. The yeah, number.
0: If, if you add Chase's interceptions <laughs> to everyone's reception total, then we got close.
2: <laughs> well, you also have to take into consideration drops. Uh, Jake, there sure. were a lot of drops. There weren't Quentin Harris drops, but there were a lot of drops.
3: Jalen had a few hit him right in the hands that he just flat out dropped, took his eye off the ball, and there you go. Put it on the ground. I mean, and there's no it's, there's really no excuse for that.
0: It, it was it was reminiscent of the Daniel Jones days. Yes. Daniel Jones's last season, I swear, my man really th- completed 70% of his passes. But his percentage was like 60 because of the drop passes.
1: Definitely. Mm-hmm. Like anyway. When he just went off, I'll still hold that to my, near and dear to my heart.
0: Yeah, of course. How many categories
1: do we have left, Scott? Because uh, um, it's a close battle.
2: We, we got a handful.
1: Okay. All right.
2: We got a handful. Right, let's, so, we'll speed
0: it up. We'll speed it up. We'll stop yeah. commenting on everything.
2: All right, so receiving touchdowns. (laughs) We had the leading receiver with the most receiving touchdowns was Jalen Calhoun, Noah Gray, and Jarrett Garner (laughs) with a big whopping two. God. Two. But when you only throw ten, there you go. When the quarterback when the quarterback room actually only throws what? Yeah, 10, the whole season. Because, well, no, that's not true. Luca threw a touchdown, but I didn't count that somehow. But anyway, so on the picks, we uh, see Brian had Jake Bobo with 12.
1: Oh, oh, boy. I think I took a sip of your NyQuil then.
2: Jamie had Jalen Calhoun with 10. Josh had Noah Gray with eight.
0: Oh, give me my half point.
2: <laughs> and, no, give me my full point. And then somebody had two people with seven, but they were Eli and Jalen. So, I actually oh, got a half a point for one.
0: Yeah, actually, Scott gets that one. I, man, that's kind of cheap, though. Scott's like, I'll take the uh, the entire wide receiver room for seven.
2: Okay. <laughs> 20. okay, I picked 28
0: touchdowns. That's true. I got to give it to Scott, man. I got to get him on the board, man. Scott's my guy. I think
1: we'll get on the board, okay? Half a point towards us. That's up? right. Half? Half. Okay. Half. half, half,
2: half yeah. Yeah. I, I'll, take, I'll take a half on that. All right, all right. So the next, next obviously was
3: because I'm a Jalen Calhoun fanboy. That's, I mean, that's really what it boils down to.
1: Oh
2: boy. And I apologize to you, Brian. We only have three more categories. I was looking at something else. I I had the half season here at the bottom, and that threw me off. Okay, okay. So we're gonna go with sacks. That's the next one. Let's see. So the sack, the leading sack person on the season was Chris Romp. He had eight. So, let's see. Brian picked Big Vic with 10.
1: Hope I hope
2: Jamie hedged his bets and picked Rump and Big Vic with 10. Oh, God. Josh picked Rump with 11.
3: Oh.
2: And then I gave Big Vic 11.5. So, yeah. So, I guess Jamie...
1: So I was closest on the number, but I just picked the wrong person.
0: Yep. Jamie yeah, gets a half well, a
1: point. Jamie, Jamie had ten.
2: You had ten. But he All right. picked wrong. All right. But he,
0: but Jamie picked the entire defensive line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean
2: – I picked the, have- the entire receiving core. He picked the entire, entire defensive line. You got to hedge your bets. Hey, I'm going to end it with, what, half a point here? So, I got to take that half a point and love it and enjoy it.
1: So so next year, I'm going to predict that we might win up to 12 games or we might lose up to 12 games.
2: (laughs) Hey, that's not a bad way to go. All right, so next category is going to be tackles.
0: Oh, my Lord, this is terrible.
2: Well, I mean, honestly, yeah. (laughs) Let's, Let's just be honest. So Shaka Hayward led us in tackles with 79. So let's see. Yeah, we'll go highest to lowest. Josh picked Shaka with 110 tackles.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Woo! Right player.
2: Oh, yes. I picked Shaka with 100 tackles.
1: Uh, Scott's Scott's leading now.
2: Brian picked Marquise Waters with 85 tackles. Hmm. Jamie picked Shaka with 96 tackles.
3: Hey, not too so,
2: bad. Here
0: we go, Jamie.
1: Uh, who gets it, Jamie? Half Jamie point. Jamie gets it.
0: No, Jamie gets a full point. We got a full point. Jamie, he beat the player, player, and got closest on the number.
1: Yeah, Jamie takes the lead. It's three for Jamie, two for Josh, one and a half for me, and Scott's with a half.
2: The last category is ints.
0: Oh Lord! Well, there's a bunch of guys tied for this. Event.
2: Unfortunately. <clears throat> your host did not get that number on this piece of paper when he set this thing up. So I'm hurrying and rushing as fast as I possibly can to do this, but I'm not doing it on mute. So that makes it even worse.
1: No, that's the well, last episode I, of the piece. We're good.
0: If I'm not mistaken, I think there's like it's three two. guys, two guys, like Nate Thompson, maybe. Or no. Uh... It's J- Jeremiah Lewis yeah. and Michael Carter. Oh, so two yeah. Apiece.
2: Two. two apiece. Yeah, let's go ahead. Nice. Let's
0: talk it out, Scott.
2: Yeah, Here we go. Some, somebody obviously knows they got the answer right. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go. Brian had Mark Gilbert with five. And let's be honest. Had he played a whole season? He may have had five. Let's, let's be honest. Jamie had Mark Gilbert with six. I, and my NyQuil soaping self, had Lenny Johnson with five. And then Josh – had Michael Carter the second with the horseman of four.
0: So I get my point,
2: baby. So Brian, I mean, Josh gets his point there. So Brian, you're keeping the running total, I'm assuming,
1: right? Well, uh, we've got a tie at the top of the leaderboard between Josh and Jamie, three each.
0: Man. Hey, listen, it's 2020, man. We participation trophies, ties <laughs> for the lead, you know? Well, that's, that's, hey, how, that's classic, dude. That is just, that is a perfect way to uh to do the twenty twenty duke football stats, two guys tied for the lead
3: i think scott and brian it was uh, angus barn steak right is that yeah. is that what we discussed earlier yeah
0: I, that's cool man i'll do the ribeye medium rare i'll i'll be there. Um, you're,
1: getting, you're getting cheese and crackers from me. You
0: know, I'll get with, with that baked with that baked onion too. I, Don't I forget was, baked I was onion.
2: assuming we were going to the trash can behind the place and getting the scraps, but you know, hey, whatever.
1: I'll take yeah, you now. Now, if we can get an Angus Barn sponsorship, I would love to take you guys there.
2: Hey, that's a great idea right <laughs> there. That out there, Tail of the Tape, sponsored by Angus Barn. Yeah,
0: Brian, Brian, story. we have we have a hookup. We got a hookup uh, that yep. works at Angus Barn, so we'll figure
1: something out. We'll see. Out. But uh, but hey. A lot of fun, guys. I mean, that—that's we gotta laugh about it again. It's just something that was not expected, I think, at all with 2020. But uh, kudos to Josh and Jamie for uh, getting the closest predictions. And as we head into 2021, we'll do this again as we get ready for another season. But let's let's transition, guys. Let let's get talking about what's been going on these last 24 hours. I think this is the most news related to Duke football in a 24-hour time span, probably in the history of the program. We've got players coming. We've got players going. We've got Cut officially staying for another year, per Kevin White, the AD. And tomorrow, a lot of people forgot, is signing day. Signing day is amongst us, guys, and we still got football games to be played. So first time that's probably happened regular season games. But uh, let's, let's just go around the, the room and, and just get our thoughts. I mean, I, I'll start really quick, and th- I think it's the news that everyone knew was coming because – it probably would have uh, happened right after the Florida State game. But Kevin White, I uh, believe about an hour and a half, two hours ago, confirmed that Coach Cutcliffe is coming back for another year and even went as far as to say that his job, Cutcliffe's, is, quote, safer than mine. The AD said that. Now, we all have our theories why he said that. But you know what? Let's just move on. Let's get ready for 2021, hopefully between now now. And in August of next year, Cut will have worked out whatever kinks were with 2020. But you know what? There are going to be some happy Duke fans. There are going to be some upset Duke fans. But let's just roll with it. Let, let's let's get prepared for next season, and let's just put this year behind us. Josh?
0: Yeah, and if I can speak, if Duke fans are listening to this, if I can speak, this is not a surprise. Now, it's a surprise that Kevin White said that his job is more secure than Kevin White's job is. That's a little bit of a surprise. But David Cutcliffe has three years – Remaining on his contract. He is signed through the 2023 season. He is getting paid $2.6 million a year. So he is getting he has more than $7.5 million that it's owed to him. Duke is not getting rid of David Cutcliffe. And I'll be very honest with you, as frustrated as we get about David Cutcliffe, and as as oftentimes we we really would like to see Duke make a move, at the end of the day, he's the most tenured. Uh, head coach in the ACC, even more than Dabo. He's been here for 15, 16 years, right around that time. Uh, In my opinion, he deserves to make the call of when he's going to leave. And I don't don't think that's bad. Um, As much as we get frustrated with him, at the end of the day, he needs to resign or retire uh, whenever he leaves. That needs to be his call. And honestly, we will all say thank you when that day comes. We will be happy for him. There's going to be so many memories of Duke football that have David Cutcliffe right at the center of them, and so no one's going to be upset with that. But Duke fans really do need a dose of a little bit of reality there and the fact that there's not an Iron Duke sponsor that's going to throw Kevin White whatever his buyout clause is to pay for Cutcliffe to leave and then have to turn around and pay a new coach to come in. So that's just not going to happen. So at the end of the day, do I really think his job is more secure than Kevin White's? Absolutely not. I think that's ridiculous. But I will say it's going to take a whole lot of sucking next year for Kevin White to fire David Cutcliffe. He has got job security, but now at the end of the day, he can't wet the bed again. I mean, let's just put it this way. The fan base and boosters had to be loud enough for Kevin White to come out the night before signing day in an article to say that, hey, his job is secure. He wants to let recruits know that. He wants to let, you know, families of recruits and coaches of recruits and all those types of things know that Cutts' job is secure. So that's the reason why. But at the end of the day, I mean, Duke fans can get mad or they want to, but Duke is not going to fire David Cutcliffe.
3: Yeah, and I think I even tweeted this from the Duke Football Talk account when I said, uh, you know, the only way Cutcliffe is not going to be back in 21 is if he decides to retire. And there was no way he was going to do that. You know Cutcliffe has got a competitive edge, and he's not looking to go out at two and nine. He's not – I mean, if we come back and have a – some miracle, you know, seven and five or eight and four season next year, he he very well could retire after that and decide to, you know, it's time to walk away. But I think mainly – and Josh, Josh, you mentioned it towards the end of what you were saying. Uh, I think mainly Kevin White was speaking to recruits, directly to recruits when he said that because you got the vultures that are circling after a two and nine season and Kevin White needed to come out and say, you know, look, Cutcliffe is our guy. There's no chance that he's getting fired. He's got better job security security than either, either, even I do. Um, so the recruits needed to hear that. And like you said, the families need to hear that you don't want to get, we don't want to, we're going to get into the transfer portal here in a little bit, but you don't want to lose too many guys in the transfer portal portal which we've already lost a few but I think it was the right thing for Kevin White to do to reassure that Cutcliffe is indeed the guy and we're we're not obviously we're not
2: an SEC school so we can't send our coach out like Auburn did 21 million dollars you got to be kidding me 21 million dollars you're paying a guy to sit at home I mean cuts making two Seriously. So, I mean, I, I, you yeah. know, the logic, I guess, is there. The timing of when it was done. And to be honest with you, all the things that have been coming out in the last 24 hours, to me, it was also to the players that are on the team. Look, if you love him, you want to stay and do be the rebuilding team next season, then please stay with us. But there's obviously been a well, like I so said, we're going to talk about in a minute. There's been a rush of guys going. The good news is we've we've got a couple nice things in return. So we're trading very nicely. And you know, I I want to see something better. I want to see better product on the field, just like everybody else. And if if not after next season, if we're sitting here at two and ten next year, which is a possibility in the ACC because everybody's getting better. I mean, Virginia Tech kept Fuente. They announced that today also, and he was on the fence. So Whit Babcock mentioned that today. So if we're sitting here two and ten next season, there's no way under the sun that we can sit here and do this again for 2022, because the program will completely be back 110 percent in the Ted Roof days, and we do not want to be there whatsoever.
1: So just quick. Rapid-fire question to you guys, just with Cutcliffe. When that day comes where he resigns to retires, just a just a question out there. Will he get a statue erected outside of Wally Wade? Yes or not? Just a yes or not? Yes. Scott? Yes.
2: I don't have a quick answer. I would say yes, but I think it may depend on how the last season
3: goes.
1: Okay. Jamie?
3: I don't know if it'll be a statue or it'll be something recognizing him, but there, there I believe there will be something there.
1: Just curious, I mean, because we've all thrown shade at him, but we also recognize what he's done for the program as a whole. So as we're talking about this, and we all hope 2021 turns things back around. But let's move on um, to the transfer portal and the players that we have coming in, the players leaving. Obviously, a, a somewhat of a surprise, uh, but none of us were really that shocked, and that's Chase Bryce. After a one disappointing season with the Blue Devils, he is moving on. And quite honestly, I don't think any of us could blame him uh, based off of the results that came about. I mean, he came from a Clemson team where he could have stood in the pocket for four quarters and let the time run out and not get sacked once. So just just guys, your thoughts on uh, some guys that we lost in the transfer portal as well as maybe some guys that we have coming in. Jamie?
3: Yeah, I got my conspiracy theories on, on Chase that I mentioned to you guys before we started the podcast that I was just wondering – did cut you know tell tell chase like hey next year you're not the incumbent um you you're gonna have to battle for the starting job and then maybe chase didn't want didn't want that but i don't know but maybe he was transferring either way um and you know the guys that we lost on defense i mean i'm not really surprised i mean waters not surprised i mean he's a four-year guy uh I hate that he is going somewhere else and is going to play another year. I mean, that sucks, obviously, as a Duke fan, to see a guy leave and then play another year at another school. But I'm not overly shocked. Um, I think Chase Price is honestly the biggest surprise out of all of them so far just because we had originally thought he had committed to us for two years and then it just did not work out.
0: Yeah, Jamie, uh, <clears throat> I-, I agree, man. The Chase Bryce experiment was just – it was just not – it was not good. And it's obvious that Cutcliffe told him that he had the job from day one and he had it the whole season because there's no other reason for us to die on that hill. Uh, just to complete this, this uh, Jamie mentioned uh, Marquise Waters. Brandon Hill also um, – now he, he opted out at the beginning of the season. Um, and he was uh, he was a starting linebacker for us. Rocky Shelton ended up uh, coming and starting in his stead, but Brandon Hill um, has uh, entered the transfer portal. Just tonight, right before we got on, uh, Steve Wiseman reported that Drew Jordan um, had entered the portal. Uh, he had already used up his four years at Duke, but obviously with the COVID year this year, uh, he does still have that extra fourth year, if you want to look at it that way, but he's going to choose to do that elsewhere. Chris Katrinik is another, so two quarterbacks in the, uh, in the transfer portal out of Duke. Um, and honestly, the Katrinic thing was – that that was rough too because, I mean, the guy at least knew the offense, and he at least could have come in and been, been another body for us. But all to say this, from what we were hearing from inside of the program, we don't need to expect anybody that's a senior this year to, to stay an extra year. Uh, from what I've been told by two different people that would be in the know uh, with Duke football, these seniors are moving on whether it's to, to the NFL, whether it's into the transfer portal to go somewhere else and play, or honestly, some of them, you know, they know football is not going to be what they make money in in the future anyway. They're just going to move on with their life. So I don't think any of us need to get – we don't need to be shocked when we hear that Michael Carter II is in their transfer portal. We don't need to be shocked when we hear Drew Jordan's in the transfer portal. We don't, we don't need to worry about those things uh, because at the end of the day – it just is what it is, um, and I don't know why, but, I mean, those guys want to change the scenery for that final season. What we do have coming in, um, and I really like this, uh, Jamion Franklin um, is a interior defensive lineman um, coming to us from Notre Dame, and if you're not a VIP member at 24-7 Sports, I would encourage you. They have specials running all the time, but uh, get that. He, his, he had a VIP interview that I, I believe Steve Clark did, and um, he just an incredible story. He lost his, I'm sorry, he didn't lose his father. His father is battling cancer. Um, and, and just how he had, to, it was in his senior year of high school when it happened and just kind of the maturity that this young man has. What I also noticed about him is he entered three years ago, um, South bend at two six one two ninety five. His playing weight now is six one three fifteen. 315 uh, So he's put on 20 pounds of muscle, and uh, he, will, he will beef up an interior line that we know uh, after losing everyone other than Ben Fry off this line. Tangelo, we'll hear pretty soon. Tangelo's either NFL draft or transfer portal. Um, obviously, Rumpf is going to the draft, should be a second, maybe third-round pick in the draft. Big Vit will be in the draft, hopefully, or he'll be on an NFL roster next year. So we got guys like Dwayne Carter, Anais Peebles, Ben Fry coming up, Uh, Ben Fry obviously a starter this year, but Jamion Franklin is going to really help us on the interior of the line. And then, listen, my guy, let me tell you something, Duke fans, if you have not yet gone on to whatever recruiting website or whatever website, look up our guy, Cade Parmley. Cade Parmley is transferring into Duke from, I believe, Abilene Christian or something. Uh, And my man, he looks like a party. That's all I'm going to say. There's a party going on underneath that helmet. And uh, he is going to be a fan favorite, at least. He's going to be a a favorite of this podcast. I will promise you that. In 2021, Cade Parmerly. He sounds like maybe like a country singer or something. I'm not sure. Um, But he looks like a professional wrestler. And so I love this guy. But anyway, we have those two coming in so far. And we might have some more. But that's where we're sitting, guys. And I have to be honest with you. I don't blame any of these young men for making the right decision for them. And, you know, we would love to have guys stay for the fifth season. And, you know, maybe if we had a culture like Dabo's created down in Clemson, you'd have guys who have first-round draft potential, you know, staying for extra seasons. But let's face it, we don't. And um, these guys may be doing doing what Britton Brown did. Listen, we're big Britton Brown fans here. Britton took off, went to UCLA. He is being showcased out there. He should probably win that starting job, to be honest with you, um, if you look at the numbers. And the good thing about Britain is this year doesn't count against him. If he wants to stay and play next year, uh, he can stay another season. And so um, we don't we don't blame these guys in the fact when they do transfer, especially if they stay in D1 football, we like to follow them and, and cheer for those guys as they move on. So kudos to all of our guys that are making these decisions um, and doing what's best for them.
3: Quick thought on Cade Parmalee. I thought he – I mentioned in a group text earlier, I thought he kind of looked like Bray Wyatt over there as a professional wrestler. But he does. He looks like a cool looking, cool looking dude that we're gonna we're gonna have fun with.
2: Yeah, it, it it would have to be a professional wrestler. Just knowing this group, it would have to be a professional wrestler that he looks like. So, and you you know he does. It's it's funny, but um you know looking at these guys who are transferring, um like Josh said, it it's gonna be a losing them is a big deal, in a way, but they have an extra year. They're grad transfers. We've seen them go on to success. We've seen some of these guys go on to like James Madison and Richmond and places like that and be stars. And, you know, in the FCS football, which they're actually starting this spring, so who knows? These guys could be moving on to play this spring also as their final season to go to the NFL draft or go on to future life. So that's another uh, side of this deal because the semester, I believe, is over right at being over. They're right at finals now. So after this next two weeks or next week when they're done with finals, they're done. I mean, they're obviously not going to a ball game. So, you know, we we definitely we, – we would rather see more of the Britain Browns in the world where we go on and have success somewhere else because, honestly, Chip Kelly uses his running back and that is his showcase, and he does a great job of it. And like Josh said, Britain should be the starter. I mean, this is not a UCLA podcast, but Britain should be the starter because he's much better than the starter they have. And we've seen him and what he could do. But, you know, again, I don't think it's a reason to be mad. I think it's, you know, it is what it is. Be happy for all these kids. I mean, honestly, I hope Chase Bryce goes somewhere next season and throws 30 touchdowns and three interceptions. It would be great to see. Because I'm sure the offense he's going to go into is not the Cutcliffe offense, and I'm sure it's going to be a deal where he gets all the practice time and an opportunity. Now I don't understand how, as far as that's concerned, how he leaves the Fuqua School of Business and moves on from there. But he could be done. This could have been his one year. I don't know. None of my business. But we just got to we got to wish these guys all success. There's no need to be mad. No need to be angry. You know, be glad for him. And hopefully someone will be able to go on and showcase themselves and make it to the NFL because we obviously need more Duke players in the NFL because it's fun to watch the Daniel Joneses and the Jamison Crowders and all the offensive linemen that we had from the 2013-2014 season.
1: Well, needless to say, if, if uh, the next couple of days or any, any I guess, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? If it's anything like the first 24 hours of the transfer portal, then... Um, Buckle up. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. But we're, we're getting ready to close down shop. It's, again, our last episode of the season where we're going to close down 2020, the season, and just put it behind us. But before we do, fellas, any final thoughts as we uh, head into our dormant season? I guess you yeah, our hibernation season as uh, we get ready uh, for the 2021 season. Anyone want to start? Yeah, I mean, uh,
3: I just want to thank all their um... – listeners listening listening to our podcast putting up with our putting up with our mess and engaging with us on facebook and twitter it's been a fun fun ish season like it's been fun engaging with people on social media through the podcast and through our through our social media but it hasn't been fun watching the games um so hopefully we can get better and go duke yeah thanks to
2: everybody that um It does listen and follow us on Twitter and in Facebook. Um, We appreciate it. When we first started wanting to do this, we've been talking about doing this for years. And uh, this season we decided to do it. And, you know, what a a year, what a season to start a podcast. But, you know, we've had some – we've had great times. We've – I look forward to the Tuesday night opportunity where we sit down and we talk. Sometimes it's not stuff we want to talk about, and it's frustrating. And we, you know, we watch the games, we group text, we do everything. You know, we we're constantly talking about football when we're we're together. And you know, it's not been fun every time, but we appreciate you guys sitting down and listening to the podcast with us that we put up, and we appreciate Justin, our producer. For uh, taking care of us and looking after us and cleaning up our mistakes because we have had a whole lot of them, and then you know the ones where we have a good time and we keep it on there. That's even more fun too when somebody loses it and just starts laughing and having fun. But also, to just want to wish everybody a happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and um, look forward to, and look if you're if you're a Duke fan and you like Duke football, please let your friends know about us, let, let you know, let them know that we, we do have this podcast and we'd love to get more listeners. We've actually had opportunities since we started, you know, doing different things and we do have some things and I don't know if Josh or Brian are going to mention it. We do have some things that we're going to try to do in the off season for as we go on. So again, just thank y'all for everything. I appreciate the guys here. I mean, you know, we've, we've been doing this uh, watching the football games together for years And Section 17, honestly, is not the same with us sitting at home. It's a whole lot more fun to be in the stadium together, watching the games and enjoying ourselves and either irritating the people in front of us or them turning around and saying, man, you guys know what the heck you're talking about. It's so great.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, Just to echo what these guys said, I appreciate everybody that follows us, whether it be just the podcast or whether you follow us on our social media accounts as well um you know I do want to speak uh one of the things that we get sometimes um because we do have a lot of players that follow us and a lot of families of players that follow us and then we have regular fans right there's a kind of the three and um we're fans and I, I want to make sure everyone understands that like we are fans we try to be as professional as we can on this podcast but at the end of the day we're fans and honestly We've been fans before these recruits ever were recruited by Duke. We'll be, we'll be fans after they graduate and move on. And sometimes our fanhood, we get a little frustrated and we get a little negative. Uh, but we never mean any of that negativity toward, you know, uh, individual player. We understand that these guys are given 110%. We know every coach is doing his best. We know no one is sitting there trying to lose football games. Uh, so at the end of the day, uh, just a little perspective from us, man. We're just fans. Who, uh, who want to see Duke, you know, football. If we didn't care, then we wouldn't tweet about it. If we didn't care, we wouldn't record this podcast. But we really do care about Duke football. Um, our, we are looking at, during the offseason, possibly bringing you some bonus episodes, and uh, those would be interviews, and it might not be all four of us on here. Um, it might be one or two of us. It depends on how things work, but we're going to try to locate some former players and get them on here and just kind of, I hear what their time was like at Duke. And, uh, you know, um, there are some former players that live around here that we can get connected with, and then obviously through social media. So look, be looking out for those. Uh, but this has been a really good first season. Um, I appreciate these guys. We have a ton of fun. And I do want to invite you, if we are in person next season, which we on better be, but if we are in person at Duke Football Games next season, we sit in Section 17 on the top row every single game we've already had a couple of guys comment like hey next season we're coming to section 17 look man let's build a house around there we would love to make that something um where whoever wants to come and hang out can come hang out um but yeah you know shout out to all all the guys who are and ladies who are connecting with us um, go Duke let's hope this is the hoping for a better season next year for sure Brian.
1: I'm just going to echo what everyone else has already said. Thank you to the fans. Thank you to those who have stayed with us during this season and have, and have continued to listen to us. Uh, there, there's been some fans that have dropped off, and rightfully so. You know, you don't want to hear the same thing over and over and over again about why we lost, how we lost. <clears throat> but to the fans that stayed with us, thank you. If it's, If it wasn't for you continuing to listen, there wouldn't be a podcast. We would just be four guys talking to each other about Duke football, plain and simple. So, not only do we want to keep our current fan base for this podcast, we want to grow it. And as Josh said, and Scott said, and Jamie said, if you know anyone that has anything remotely to do with Duke football and would like to give it a, a listen, please, by all means, share, you know, let them know. Thank you to the now 445 members of the Duke Football Talk Facebook group. When we first started, We didn't know what would happen, where it would go. I believe we've we've had this now for about a year. And to almost hit 500 group members is just mind-boggling for me. So for everyone that's joined, whether it be family members of the players, the players themselves, lifelong Duke fans, new Duke fans, thank you for staying active, engaged, um, posting some things that sometimes we can't post and sometimes we can. Uh, It's just the nature of, of the fandom that is Duke football. Thank you to Dave Harding for coming on. Uh, Dave is a very busy guy with Duke athletics with Duke football and he took time out of his day to join uh, us for an interview. So Dave, if you're, if you're listening to this episode, thank you for coming on. We hope to have you on again soon, maybe to discuss next year, or even just to have you on to discuss your playing days like Josh was talking about in the off season. So thank you uh, not only to Dave, but even Duke athletics for letting Dave come on. I don't know if he needed permission, but if he did, thank you to Duke athletics and thanks to the three of you guys. Uh, this is something that I have thoroughly enjoyed as as we get on every Tuesday night to really uh, hash out our our frustrations, to really just throw out thoughts about where the program should go, what cut should do. It's always fun to you know get together as a uh, Duke football anonymous group sometimes and just uh, hash out our problems. But uh, it, it's always you never know what you're going to get each episode. That's the biggest thing, and so. I, I just, I'm looking forward to uh, the off-season podcast. I'm looking forward to next year's podcast. And, and don't you worry, fans, we're going to work on making it even better for 2021. This was a really a test run when we got started, but each week we come up with new ideas, not only the, amongst the four of us, but Justin, our producer as well. And again, thank you to Justin. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't sound as good as we do. We wouldn't have the cool music, the intro, the, the outro, none of that. It would have it would have been a problem. <laughs> so, again, thanks to everyone for listening. I think uh, that's pretty much it. We're going to wrap it up for this season uh, at, with the last episode of the 2020 season for the Duke Football Talk Section 17 podcast. We don't know when we'll be back. Could be in the next two months. Could be in the next six months. But we will definitely let you all know. And, again, if you haven't already, be sure to follow us on Facebook by searching Duke Football Talk and on Twitter – by searching the handle at duke fb talk for now for josh cox scott medlin jamie Holt, and producer justin sykes i'm brian kennedy and this has been the duke football talk section 17 podcast